You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB, and you can check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, a victory Monday. How does it feel? Hmm. Well, it, I mean, it feels pretty sweet. It's 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 hard to put into words kind of what this kind of win means for the team. I mean, I think you know, you and I um, definitely had spoken the week before about how this was a possibility and we thought that that on paper this was something that they could do because of matchups and because of the way things had worked out so far before these teams had played each other but I don't know that we either one of us obviously had the actual confidence that they would get through it and actually do it and so uh, I'm feeling pretty great today honestly especially all the talk that the Eagles had done all week (laughs) Uh, it feels uh, they are heavy is the head that wears the crown absolutely uh, so the Cowboys win 27-20 to 20 over the Eagles. And the way that they did it was so impressive. They win a game on the road on a short week where the Eagles did not have a penalty. And we'll get to that in a second. Uh, and they won a game without Travis Frederick, Connor Williams, Sean Lee, Taco Charlton, David Irving, and all-pro defensive tackle Daniel Ross. Just an incredible win by Dallas, right? You snuck in the all-pro Daniel <laughs> Ross. I love that. Yeah, that was, I that mean, was the geez. point. Like the thing is about it is that uh, you know, we, like I said before, we got into the game, we had kind of talked about how on paper it, it, it we thought it was good, but as things developed and, and players, you know, especially Daniel Ross and some of these guys started getting injured inside, I, I started <laughs> to get that sinking feeling for sure. But it it just it they never really faltered and just kind of stayed the course and, you know, eventually outlasted the Eagles. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I was hoping that you were going to catch up on that little joke, but that's okay. Oh, Let's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm always, I'm here for all the Ross Boss comments for sure. Yeah. All right, let's let's go ahead and talk about the offense because uh, after last week, I was really down on this entire offense. I, and it was hard not to be with them only scoring 14 points against the Tennessee Titans coming off the bye. Uh, you thought going into this game without Connor Williams, and then especially after Zach got, Zach Martin got hurt, yeah. the Cowboys are really going to have a hard time moving the ball. Um, but they scored 27 points, racked up well over 400 yards of offense. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott was fantastic. He had 188 total yards. Um, how did the Cowboys have such success against this Eagles defense? Well, I mean, I, you know, I think... We were talking about uh, I can't remember what the context was, but someone was talking about how uh, you know the Cowboys, uh, I, you know, and it was I think it was in context of the last of the last drive, and I think you know we will talk about that and the play calling in the last drive. I think a lot of people were uh, you know kind of in default criticize mode, um, but I, I think what you know you look at what happened in the last drive when the Eagles knew that the Cowboys were going to run the ball to try to kill the clock, and the Cowboys struggled to find success. I mean, they were penetrating right. and ta- getting tackles to the loss. I think what you see is that with Cooper on the outside, with the Eagles um, you know, needing to give 
help to whatever player they're putting out there to cover them. Especially in game, they go into this, they go into the game missing, I think, two of their starting three corners. Right? Then yeah. they lose their then they lose their third, and so now they have three non-starters basically playing their top three cornerback spots um, and somebody's got to go out there and, and, and cover Cooper. So uh, I think what happened is that they ended up, you know, and I, we haven't seen all 22 tape yet or anything, but I'm going to, would not be surprised to see that they decided to kind of lean on their safeties a little bit to kind of help with the, uh, you know, make sure that Cooper doesn't burn them. Uh, and then that left things a lot more wide open for this, uh, this off for the, for the offense to create lanes. And, and that left a lot of room for Zeke because I mean, if you look at it, I mean, he was able to get, uh, I mean, it wasn't just that he was, that he got a whole bunch of yards. I mean, he, he got 150 yards on less than 20 carries, it's you know, incredible. I mean, he was breaking. He was breaking big runs and and like finding a lot of room. So uh, that to me reads like you know he he had no issues getting past the the. And I think that's the thing that's really more surprising is that they left all that lane that lane open uh, with the idea that that you know with the Cowboys beat up offensive line, may, may, they may not be able to get past the the vaunted Eagles defensive line. But clearly, that's not the case. I mean, because with all this, you know, like I said, 19 carries, 151 yards. I mean, that tells you the tale that that he was getting into the second level pretty consistently. Um, right. So I think that's that's a, an attribute to, you know, like like I said, the attention that Cooper requires on the outside, especially when you have a lesser than. Um, uh, uh, you know, personnel out there trying to cover them, and then uh, the way that the offensive line was able to handle their business against a very good defensive line, despite being beat up and, and you know, losing Martin for a portion of the game, and uh, being down to their their fourth guard at one point um, on the field. So well, they had Xavier uh, Suofilo and uh, Adam Redman, Redman on the field at one. Yeah. And even listen, when the Cowboys were not planning on going into the season with either of these two guys, their their initial plan for the backup guard was Marcus Martin, who they signed in the offseason, and then he got hurt. And then they traded for a guy, I think it was Parker Eringer, I think it was his name. Do you remember this guy that they traded for? Um, Eringer, uh, yeah, that, that was yes. some, Yeah, he's, he was for the from Kansas City. Yeah. Right, so this is really, what, their fourth and fifth backup guards? I mean, this is... Yeah. It, it was awfully impressive. Um, I want to talk about Dak Prescott first. Um, in the first quarter and a half, I thought he struggled. He was missing uh, receivers. He had Michael Gallup open on the sideline one time where he just held the ball forever. He had a third and two where he just airmailed a pass to Cole Beasley. Uh, he was getting hit. He was bailing out of the pocket. But once again, the Cowboys got into a – it was really a two-minute situation right before halftime – the tempo kind of sped up, and all of a sudden, everything started to click from Prescott. For from that point on, in the rest of the game, he was really, really good. What did you see from Prescott on Sunday night? Uh, I mean, I, I think that you saw the, the full spectrum. You know, like I mean, I think yeah. you, at, t- at points you saw the the bad, and and I think especially early on, it felt like you know there were times when he was running himself into sacks. I mean, he got sacked three times in the first half. And, um, you know, I'm pretty sure that at least two of them were him running into pressure. Yep. Um, and I, but I think at the same time, when he got his pocket, when he stepped up into the pocket, he was delivering strikes in that, in that drive. You know, it was so funny because I was watching the drive and the whole drive on Twitter, Cowboys fans are still complaining about this 
crappy offense while they are driving down the field. And then, they, <laughs> and then suddenly, before you even know it, Dak Prescott is not spiking the ball. He's leaning across the goal line to score. And so, like, I'm, it was kind of a very surreal experience to see, you know, people, like, still talking crap about Dak as he is literally scoring a touchdown because, of the, I mean, the delay of the game or whatever. But That was it, a it's heck so, of a drive by Dak. It really was. I mean, I mean you want to talk about, like, no one had believed in Dak anymore at that point. I mean, if, <laughs> like, if you listen to the commentary, if you listen to – Even Chris uh, Collinsworth. You know, Chris Collinsworth, well, especially out. Chris Collins, Collinsworth, and, and and you know Babe Loffenberg on the on the radio call, like you know basically everyone had been like, yeah, this this just you know he's just not it's not working out for him, blah 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 blah, and then like out of nowhere he just kind of puts together this last minute drive to score a touchdown before the half, and it's and suddenly the game goes from it being a tenuous six to three victory uh, you know lead to a thirteen to three lead. Uh, and going into half, and they get the ball back. So you know, I think if if you look going into half, you know that Dak had outperformed Carson Wentz, and 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 I think that you know just with by that last drive, I, I think they gained a small amount of momentum. Um, they they didn't necessarily carry it over to the first drive and in, in the second half, but it was I think it was enough to make them you know say hey th- this is a kind of got rid of all that momentum on the first play. Of- yeah, and and I and I feel like at, at that point, like it was enough that it let them believe, hey, you know, this is we we're not outclassed at all. We are in this game, and 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 you know, we have desires to win this game, and, and I think that we can. And I think it gave them the confidence to kind of continue what they were doing. All right, let's pause so we can take a break. I want to tell you guys about my bookie. Who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. And that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They have been in the business for years. They have great reviews online. And their mobile site is so easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me in the past. And that's why I'm urging you guys to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, I want to talk about the wide receivers because it was another game in which I was so impressed from Mari Cooper, uh, but also Michael Gallup. I thought Gallup played really well. I know he only had two catches for 34 yards, but he was open a ton in this game. Even Alan Hearns seemed to kind of settle into a role as a as a third outside receiver. Cole Beasley caught four passes for 37 yards. Could have been even more. Uh, what did you see from this wide receiver group against the Eagles secondary? Yeah, I mean it's it's a group that you know ten games into the season seems to be falling into place suddenly. Um, I yeah I agree. I think Hearns coming in as like the third receiver, you know, again getting efficient targeting like he has been. He had two catches for forty yards. Like that's perfect. Like you know what I'm saying. Like get in yep. there, make a big catch on third down for a first. Uh, be a reliable target, a big body that we can look to. 
And then, you know, and then I think, again, with Gallup, similarly, you know, between Gallup and Hearns, they were a, a solid number two receiver last night. You know, they basically had five targets for four catches and 74 yards. And that's, you know... That's great if if that's what you're getting out of your uh, out of your second receiver, and I think uh, you know that that complemented what what we were getting out of the the rest of the team. Um, and I think again, you know, you want to know about the health of the passing team of passing offense, and I think it's been it's cut the other way. So we should you know what's we should go we should complement it when it works. Is look at the targeting at the wide receivers versus the tight ends and the running backs. You know they mm. now suddenly you're starting to see a more balanced approach to the outside. Uh, you're seeing these balls. You know Cooper got ten targets in that game. You know and I think and then you know you add up Hearns and, and Gallup and uh, Beasley and then you got another I think ten targets. So that's twenty about twenty of your uh, I think thirty. Four total passes. Is that what he attempts? That he 36, tried? but he had like one that he skipped to Jordan yeah. Lewis. That really wasn't. Yeah. One. So yeah, around, around there. So yeah, I mean that. So that's a majority of of your passes going to the wide receivers, and 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 so I think that's it's starting to trend in the right direction. Um, and and I think you know the difference in the the second half of Dax Prescott's second half versus his first half was was noticeable. He started to look more comfortable. He started to look. Uh, you know that uh, like he was stepping up into the pocket and making those throws. He made some beautiful throws in the second half, uh, and again was good enough to you know outduel uh, uh, Carson Wentz at the end of the day and and to to lead this team to the to the victory. I mean, I think at the end of the game when you know we start trading touchdowns, I think everyone kind of had started to hold their breath. Can this Cowboys offense do that with this Eagles defense uh this Eagles offense can they trade touchdowns down the stretch and I think the answer was clearly they could you know and and they they were able to uh to expose the Eagles rush defense and then turn that into passing success and it just seemed like for the first time maybe all season maybe I mean, maybe the Jacksonville game but like some people pointed out I mean Jacksonville seemed to give up at points right I, I mean I think this was the most it was definitely the most complete game, top to bottom, for the Cowboys. But I think it was also the most complete game, just you know, individually for the offense. I've had a lot of thoughts on the receivers. I think when the Cowboys had Alan Hearns as their number one outside receiver, it just made their offense feel slow. Am I wrong in that assessment? It, it, because when you don't have speed on the outside, it's just so easy to defend your offense. But when Alan Hearns is your number three receiver, and you've got two guys like Amari Cooper who you can put in the slot, and Michael Gallup on the outside, who's certainly not slow. It, it, it just seems like these pieces are starting to fit together a little bit more. Is it perfect? Is it the best wide receiver unit in the league? No. But it's certainly something that is functional. I Listen, Amari Cooper could have had a monster game last night. The Eagles had no answer for him. I, I, I put out a bunch of gifts this morning of Cooper getting wide open against the secondary. And that's not to, to bash on Dak. It's to show how good Amari Cooper is. Uh, those cornerbacks, even Ronald Darby when he was healthy, could not cover Amari Cooper. So I love this wide receiver core. I, I think, you know, when you look into the future with this group, with Amari Cooper, who's 24 years old, with a Michael Gallup, who is 22 years old, we'll see what they do with Cole Beasley. 
They still like Noah Brown and Cedric Wilson a little bit for the future. I think this wide receiver core uh, is only going to get better over the rest of the season and heading into to next year. A- any thoughts real, before real, we move on? Yeah, yeah real quick, because I, I think you, you brought up a good thing, and this is something we talked about when Cooper got signed, is that the thing that Cooper does, the thing that, about getting a number one wide receiver does, is that it slots everybody else in their proper spots. You know? Right, absolutely. I mean, Hearns and Gallup should be used to their advantages, especially as Gallup is becoming a more and more rounded player. And what that allows you to do is you don't need to put Hearns out there in spots and ask him to do things that he's not good at doing. You know, you're, you're not, you don't have to ask him to run the a nine route you're not asking him to have to run you know try to beat people deep to you know be that guy what you're asking him to do is to do the, the things that he does well you're asking him to be a big body coming in on a slant you're asking him to you know expose you know uh lesser cornerbacks uh and, and take advantage of of mismatches down roster he's not the guy who's you know i mean clearly not not the guy who's going to go out there and consistently beat number 1 cornerbacks but if right. you're if you're but if you're ta- putting him out there and you're putting him against your third corner your second corner uh you know he can he can do that he can beat those guys and he can find a way to get open and especially if he's used sparingly um and and again what Coop, since Cooper can basically do it all essentially, and, and and functions as a number one wide receiver, it allows you to use Hearns and to use Gallup in a way that complements their skill set, as Absolutely. opposed to having to put them out into every situation and ask them to run every route because I just need a wide receiver to run this route. I don't really have a good one who I don't have a wide receiver who runs this route well. Might as well be Hearns. Might as well be Gallup. Now well, you're actually being you know, a little bit selective about when you put them out there and for what situations and how they're deployed. To that point, on uh, Alan Hearns' big reception, the 23-yard one, uh, that put him right down inside the five-yard line it was. Um, that was a huge catch, yeah, man. I mean, absolutely. a huge play in this game. Like, well, I think a lot of huge plays that are going to go unnoticed, but that catch on third and, what was it, seven or eight? Yeah, that well, was as big as that's what we've been needing all season long, and and he showed up and and made a big play. Well, this is why it worked. On that play, Alan Hearns was lined up as the outside receiver on the left hand side. Amari Cooper was in the slot on the right hand side, and Michael Gallup was out wide on the right hand side. So that entire Eagles defense was shifted over to the right, and there was basically no help for Rasul Douglas inside. Uh, he beat him quickly off the line of scrimmage, and once he caught the pass, there was nobody there to stop him. So that's just more of Amari Cooper being able to – he's so good at route running that he can move down into the slot, and it's not a problem for him at all. And it creates a mismatch on the outside. So we we both love the, the, the addition of Amari Cooper when the Cowboys made it. Didn't really love the compensation – but you're seeing why Dallas was okay giving up a first-round pick because of just how special Amari Cooper is and how big of an impact he can have on the Cowboys' offense, even when he's not getting the ball. Um, so we didn't really talk about this before the show, but if you're okay, I, I want to postpone talking about the offensive line until tomorrow's show when we get the All-22 because I, I yeah, want to see sir. how Xavier Sulafilo and Joe Looney and those guys handled the the Eagles front once we get the all twenty two it's just too hard on the broadcast no yeah difficult I, I, I don't I don't want to make any judgments right now so we'll we'll talk about those guys tomorrow instead I want to talk about Leighton Van Der Esch, and we'll finish this show with this 
Uh, last week, I, this was my assessment at least, that Leighton Van Der Esch kind of hit a rookie wall over the last three games. Um, he was fantastic in the Houston game and the Detroit game before that. But over the last couple of games, uh, kind of struggled. On Sunday night, you saw everything that you wanted to see from Leighton Van Der Esch in terms of uh, a first-round linebacker, making a play in coverage, making a play sideline to sideline, going downhill and tackling the ball carrier. He made a bunch of huge plays in this game. Uh, and before we talk about his performance, I just want to talk really quickly about the evaluation because I think a lot of people in the draft community got this evaluation right. Leighton Van Der Esch is a weak side linebacker in a middle linebacker's body who is at his best when he's roaming sideline to sideline or he's in coverage. He struggles when you ask him to take on blocks or blitz. Now, depending on how much you value a weak side linebacker who can flow to the football, probably determined where you had Van Der Esch, whether he had him as a first-round pick or a second-round pick. I see. I saw a lot of people claiming victory on Twitter last night, and I know that happens, and it's fun, it's whatever. But this, it was just kind of a aha moment to me last night. Just depending on what you value in a linebacker, probably depending on where you graded Van Der Esch. Having said all that, uh, a phenomenal game on Sunday night. What did you see from Leighton Van Der Esch? I mean, clearly what they were looking for, you know, when they drafted him. I mean, a guy that is a game changer as a linebacker, you know, uh, and I think interception, big tackle, he, he was making all the tackles. Um, and I think the Eagles struggled at times, I feel, to get the ball out the way that they needed to and get it, you know, get the ball where it needed to go uh, because I think p- passing lanes were clogged properly and I think that they that the linebackers in the defensive line were able to get pressure and then you know Vander Esch was basically able to clean up everything underneath I mean you know when they were trying to dump it off like he was there to make the tackles short of the first down uh, I just feel like they the defense was allowed to fly the entire game and because of I think probably the you know number of snaps they played so um, I think that it, 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 and then, you know, I think there's also something to Leighton Vanderesh playing more snaps. I, 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 I agree. Think, yes. Yeah. I think, I think that, you know, it's not just coincidental that his worst games have been the games where they've been trying to, you know, force Sean Lee back into the lineup. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, it's, it's fine for now because John Lee's not coming back anytime soon, but I, I tend to think they need to, uh, uh, you know, their defense is just so much faster play. when play. It's just so much faster when it's him and Jalen on the field rather than Lee and Jalen Smith. Now I'm not saying it's necessarily better, but it's just faster. And when you have a fast defense that can flow to the football, you, I mean, it's you better. See a lot. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's, it's also, better. It's it's faster and better. I mean, right. I mean, like let's 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 call it what it is. I mean, Sean Lee has not played well this year, like almost at all. You know, even when he's healthy, it, but, but there's been spurts of it. Game. But it's it's not been the guy that you know, we're used to at like at any point this season. So I mean, I think you know, like I said, there's been spurts, but not the sustained level of excellence that we're used to with the guy. So I, I think until. If that guy shows back up, then we should have a conversation about putting him back in the lineup a little bit more. But honestly, I would rather try to get Joe Thomas healthy 
I let's, agree. Yes. Let's let's roll with those three guys, uh, and then you know Wilson on, as a Sam when he needs to be, um, and then I think that's that's your that's your lineup at this point because I, I, I they're young, they're fast, they're playing, they feed off each other. I mean Jalen Smith and Vanderesh are feeding off each other just constantly, and it's scary, man. I mean when they're playing both playing well, like this defense can be really really good. Not only is that your best lineup going forward this year, it's also what it's going to be in 2019. Uh, I, I just don't see any scenario, unless Sean Lee takes a massive pay cut, that you bring him back on a $10 million deal when you have these two guys playing that well. So, yeah. Uh, it, outstanding performance by those guys. The Cowboys gave up 420 yards, I think it was. Um, but they made the plays they needed to make. They had a fourth down stop. Uh, that was done by Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Jordan Lewis, and Jalen Smith. Uh, they forced yeah. a turnover. Um, they got the stops. They had the fourth down stop uh, against with Zach Hertz at the end of the game. So really three turnovers by that defense. Um, fantastic job all the way around by the Cowboys. All right, that's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. Make sure you check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast with our friend John Owning. You can follow the show at Locked On Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. We will see you guys back here tomorrow for our All-22 review.